Welcome to season four of the Retail Tea Break podcast. My name is Melissa Moore, the Retail Advisor, and each week I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and product creators to decode the myths, share knowledge and give you an insight into the retail industry. So grab your cup of tea, sit back, relax and listen in to season four of the Retail Tea Break podcast. Today, I'm joined by a guest who is an incredibly experienced retailer. This highly motivated, passionate leader has a proven track record of transforming organizations and implementing effective retail strategies. However, it was his passion for community development and social justice that led him to move across into the charity retail sector. Since then, he's worked tirelessly to promote the importance of charity retail and the positive impact it has on local communities. He's also a strong advocate for the role of charity shops in promoting sustainability, secondhand and reducing waste. Mark Sweeney, Chairperson of Charity Retail Island, welcome to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thanks, Melissa. Good to be here. I'm delighted, as I said to you earlier, Mark, I'm really thrilled that we get to have this conversation. It's such an important one. And I think it's a part of the sector that really kind of goes, well, it's gone untapped in many respects and we tend to forget about. So before we kick off, um, in the age old fashion of the Retail Tea Break podcast, in the time that it takes to boil a kettle, which I'm told is about two minutes, tell us a bit about you and the organisation. So I suppose uh, my background has been commercial retail. Uh, I started off as uh, I, I worked in a photo lab. I moved on to being a projectionist in a cinema. I worked for Extravision for a number of years. Uh, GameStop would have been, I suppose, the bulk of my career. Uh, a short stop off in Harvey Norman. And then uh, I happened upon Oxfam, um, which got me into the charity sector and circular fashion. Um, and then I suppose a year after joining, well, I, when I joined Oxfam, I was asked would I join what was then the Irish Charity Shops Association, the ICSA, uh, just to sit on the steering group, uh, which I agreed to. And I suppose 15 months later, I was uh, proposed as chair and became chair and I have been chair ever since. Um, so look, uh, as it was known, it was it was the ICSA. Uh, but Charity Retail Ireland, we rebranded about about 18 months ago now, I think, maybe just a little bit less than that. Um, and we're uh, an all-island uh, umbrella group that uh, for charities who operate shops to fundraise for the causes that they, 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 they support. Uh, we provide information, support, networking opportunities. We advocate for, for certain rights for the charity shops as well. Uh, our members range from large national and international uh, charities such as Oxfam uh, to local community-based charities. We have one down in, in Clarehaven, which is a fantastic uh, shop, but a small operation, but very big in a sense of what it does. Uh, all our members are registered with the Charities Regulator or the, with the Charities Commission in Northern Ireland. Uh, and all members have to sign up to a code of charity retailing uh, as a condition of their membership as well. So it's 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 a it's a big group that are kind of heavily involved in in charity in the charity sector in Ireland. That's incredible. And again, the, a charity shop is seen on every main street in the country. It's in every town. They're in every city. It's and again, I think we're almost blindsided to the fact they're there sometimes, uh, unless we're donating or unless we need them. So it's it's incredible to hear that you've managed to get everyone under one roof in that respect. The big global ones, uh, the smaller Irish ones, and then the tiny independents. And you were telling me then that these charity retailers coming together feels very different to commercial mainstream retail, but in a good way, um, because they support each other, or you all, when you come together, support each other in quite a 
different way because you actually work together. Yeah, so we we have a steering group um, and it's it's comprised of people from different parts of charity. So like I said, I'm a district retail manager for Oxfam. We would have finance people from other charities. Uh, we would have shop managers from some of the smaller charities. But we all meet. We meet once a month. And the idea is that we discuss what's happening in the sector, uh, how we can learn from what's happening and how we can learn and grow together. So we do, we share information. Um, a lot of the smaller charities will learn a lot from the bigger charities and vice versa as well as a big charity, you can learn a lot from what a smaller charity is doing uh, and the effects and, and how certain parts of the country do with charity retail and where is popular locations and where is not, which as I said to you before, coming from my background in commercial retail, it, it, it's unheard of. I mean, mm. as much as, commercial retail like to think that they're you know all in the same boat and they're all working together to the same cause there is a lot of competition uh there and they don't like to share certain information look there's competition within charity as well but it's friendly competition we are all there to work for one cause which is to fundraise for whatever cause that charity supports so it's um it is unique that we share the information but the information uh is shareable information it's nothing that's you know confidential to anyone or put anyone at risk it's good traditional retail information best practice uh, and and how to maximize what we're doing as a, as a as a whole gosh it's definitely something the mainstream commercial retailers could learn from um best practice there what what would that look like then to maybe an independent coming along who needs a bit of support so i mean through our website we we, we have a, a very very robust website that we just as i said relaunched it would be on charityretail.ie and on that website alone there are information of how to set up a charity shop once you're a registered charity of course um and the steps that you need to take uh how to go about getting volunteers links to volunteer organizations uh and then also like i said best practice of merchandising of how to deal with donations how to deal with the public uh, how to promote your charity. We've moved into social media. Uh, we, we had a great social media manager who's just finishing up with us, uh, Emily, and uh, we are actually looking for a social media manager at the moment. So uh, it's become a huge part of what we do. We do workshops of you telling shops how to promote themselves on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, and there, there's a lot to it. So, I mean, where, where it comes down to the resources that the, the association offer, there is there on the website, but then to get involved with the steering group or just to reach out to the steering group and talk to us, we, we will answer any questions that you have. And we have a very experienced secretary who, who's been with the association since it started, Linda Ward, and she um, has been the gatekeeper of all that information for, for over 20 years now. Um, and as I said, it is, is, is a great treat to sit under and learn it as well, you know. Fantastic. The steering group sounds amazing. But what an incredible resource, because it's interesting there, even the words you're using, like you could have just been describing another commercial retailer. So purchasing standard, you know, merchandising standards, standards in the shop, um, all the different ways of doing things like that's that's the norm. And again, I think that's going to dispel a lot of myths today that people don't necessarily see charity shops um, like that which I think is fascinating that actually you are just becoming as good as, and so you should be the same as commercial retail to use your words there. But many charity retailers on the other hand are way ahead of the rest of the retail industry when it comes to things like efficiencies, cost savings, recycling clothes, obviously to stop them going to landfill. What can you teach the rest of the industry then where they're way behind what you're doing? 
Well, I mean, okay, it starts with why, and, and that's like, you know, obviously Simon's next book about, you know, start with why is very important. I mean, you look at why a charity does what it does, not what it does, because that's mm. that's that's self-explanatory. It raises money for the cause it supports. But why we do it in terms of getting into the detail of, you know, we have, we have I mean, there's a common misconception out there about mm. charity shops that we don't pay rents, that we don't pay rates because we're a charity. We do. If we want that space on the high street, we pay the going market rate for rents. We pay the same rates as anybody else. We pay the same overheads. That's insane. Like you said that to me a few weeks ago and I was dumbfounded because it is. That's again, it's another misconception that you get everything for free because you're in the charity sector. But it's absolutely not. You're battling the same costs as the commercial guy next door to you on the on the main street. Absolutely. And, and as you've, you've pointed out that some people see charity shops as lesser than, but as mm. I said, we, we, we have the same, we same rates, same overhead, same, you know, everything. Um, what I suppose we do more effectively than, than most is, is that management of costs, because we have to be very aware of how much it costs to run a shop. Um, and it's about reducing those overheads, about reducing electricity usage. And, you know, we've, we've moved with the times. A lot of shops will have LED lighting now, which will obviously make a difference. But it's also about being able to save power. It's about being able to turn off things that aren't being used at night when it's not being used. And a lot of retailers, again, I can speak from my own experience, don't necessarily do that. They, you know, we have staff that come in and you, you do your job and you go home in the evening. But I think there is a real benefit to educating your team about what little steps can do and what little measures can do we traditionally run on a team of volunteers any charity shop will run on a team of volunteers with maybe one paid staff member or two paid staff members depending on the size of the shop if it's a very busy shop um so being able to i suppose speak to a volunteer and help them understand how to save costs and to understand that it's a benefit to the business and to the organization to be able to reduce costs. That's a huge one. But those people that we find are very important. I mean, that the shop manager that we will find for a charity shop is key. I mean, we we always say that recruitment isn't about the skill set. It's not about, it's about the mindset. It's about that person who works hard. I mean, I always describe charity shops as mini department stores because that's what they are. Absolutely. Uh, we, yeah, we have to deal with every type of product and we have to deal with one of every type of product. Yeah. So we're not dealing with a range of products where you come in and you go, all right, we're going to buy for this season and this is what we have. We depend on on the kindness of strangers, uh, to put it simply. So all those things factored in, there are a lot. Uh, you might think, well, what, what can commercial retail learn from charity sector? It is about small change. It's about small steps, about being able to reduce uh, reuse uh, and be efficient with your staff as well I, I think that's an incredible message and also and I'd never thought of it that way you're thrown this curveball every day of like a surprise of stock coming through the front door as it is in your case um what's that what's that like from a merchandising perspective or even from these for these incredible volunteers who just yeah they 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 get what they're wonderfully donated but then of course they have to make that look slightly commercial install yeah i mean so you're i suppose that's where we say with with, with charity retail ireland and and with each charity you have to look at merchandising in a different way because you don't know what product you're going to get you you get a bag uh, a box and you go through it and you you figure out what's sellable you figure out what needs to be recycled um and then once you have what's sellable you have to go through the process of you know identifying if it's if worth a lot of money or if it's not worth a lot of money or if it's just a standard piece of clothing and i suppose it's, it's implementing those standards of having a chain of stores 
and being able to say in and around that if you walk in and you find a dress, that it will be priced roughly the same, but you're dealing with many individuals doing that and the dress won't be the same. So the, the standards that we use, we color block, uh, we size cube. Um, so color blocking is the best way for us to merchandise because it gives the impression of a range and it mm. also allows the customer to shop for what they want. Uh, and then obviously we will merchandise bottom half clothing and top half clothing individually. So you, you get that range and you get you, you get a nice looking shop without having a range of products. You, you have a perceived range of product, but it, it is a challenge and every day is a challenge. And, and, and I always say, if you wanted to gain experience in the retail sector, where you should come is charity because you will learn so much. You will learn how to think on your feet. You will learn what the value of something is. And there's a lot of research that goes into it. And our most successful members in, in Charity Retail Ireland and our most successful shops in Oxfam will always have a manager who is engaged and really, really digs down and finds like we, we get wonderful stuff, amazing stuff that you wouldn't believe donated into our shops. Uh, and it's 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 exciting every day. You know, it's it's it, it really I think for somebody who is working for us to have that passion and energy is, is really important. I love that, especially at a senior level, but also and coming back to something you said earlier, which fascinates me from a people perspective. And of course, big buzzword now, of course, within retail, it's this recruitment, retention, but thrown into that mix then you have volunteers, but also again, you have a very different customer base. Some might come to you once a year, some might be in every day. Um, so you've you've got a very different mix or a wider scope of people generally, whether that's the internal customer or the the consumer, the public coming in. That must be incredible for a charity shop manager or a regional manager like yourself to have to deal with all of that as well. Yeah, I mean, there's the demographics that we deal with go from well, then now they go from kids to you know people who are in their 80s and 90s and 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 it's a huge demographic to have to cover as a shop and look charity shops are restricted because they're not massive spaces now we've, mm. we've tried to develop that over time and we do realize that there are certain things that we need to deal with but I mean even for our volunteers again huge demographics we go from transition year students which is where we can start because of, of legalities um and they go all the way up to I mean we've, we've had volunteers who've been 90 six um, wow. you know, still coming in and, and we do still have people well into the area he's now still even volunteering with us and look covid had had a big impact on on volunteering in the shops and people i probably discovered that they led fuller lives or discovered hobbies and things and, and didn't come back to volunteering but that demographic even of volunteers now has shifted where uh, you won't have the long-term volunteer anymore you more have the short-term volunteer that comes in for a period of time to you know, feel like they've done something you know in the community or socially responsible activity, which is volunteering, and and it's great to see. And again, the customers have the same. I mean, we've seen such a huge shift in in the demographic that shop in a charity shop. I I I, I tell a story about Georgia Street, uh, Oxfam, and Georgia Street is known for its vintage now. It is yeah, and it's a great location, and it's one of those hidden gems if you are a vintage shopper. But uh, we, we display our stock in the window. We dress the windows with, with an outfit and it goes on sale every Saturday morning. Uh, and there will be queues outside Georgia Street on a Saturday morning, maybe 15 to 20 people queuing up for two outfits. Uh, and, and I was told a story by, by the manager and the deputy manager in that shop off one of the Saturday mornings, there was a pair of dungarees going on sale and there was a queue of about 15 outside. And the first five in the queue wanted to buy this, this dungaree. And um, instead of where you normally see people battling and fighting on a Black Friday type scenario, the five people discussed the, uh, the, the dungarees and decided which 
person it would suit best. Um, they all tried it on. Uh, they all uh, shared their Instagrams with each other and they made the decision of who should buy it. Uh, and I just felt it was such a great story because it just shows the shift in, I suppose, that socially aware, socially conscious consumer. Now, that's that's the kind of person that you're really trying to target. You, like, I think charity gets that more now than commercial retail. I think we get that consumer because that person understands that charity has been charity shops have been doing sustainability longer than anybody. We've been doing sustainability before it was a word. You know, it was before circular fashion became the hot topic. Charity shops were there. So I think the younger generation have really tapped into that now and they've realized that. And and like I, I've said it from day one when I came into charity was everything you find in a charity shop is unique. There is nothing, you know, you find it might be three seasons old, it might be 10 seasons old. It doesn't matter. It's unique because nobody else has it. And the quality is, is, is better as well. Oh, that really excites me. What an incredible story. But you're you're so right. And again, I love the fact that Charity Retail has really been turned on its head in that respect. Yeah, it's become trendy now to wear vintage or to hunt down these bargains. But you've always been there and you've always been so reliable to be there. And as you said, the quality is there. That's another misconception that I love the fact that we're breaking down that barrier now. Um, so obviously, as I said, secondhand, vintage, I love that word, is become super trendy um, and obviously quite commercial for years, which is brilliant. Um, what else is happening then? Kind of how how is the charity sector kind of apart from this or maybe including the fact that vintage has become so cool right now and this conscious consumer, as we've all tried to become, is now your mainstream customer. Um, what's business like in general in the sector at the moment? Well, I mean, it, it, it's, it's again, like standard retail, it's it's good in some, very good. I mean, post-pandemic, you know, trade had become very strong. But like like anywhere, there are certain pockets and certain charities that do struggle. And I mean, it's really important that we we recognize that. And I think, I think, like you said, there's the conscious consumer, and I think that's great. And But I do think there are a lot of people out there who still have... The, the misconceptions about a charity shop that's the old dusty dingy mm. smelly shop that you know that you don't want to go in and be seen shopping in or you know people think that you're 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 poor if you shop in a charity shop or that you know that's what you need charity shops they, they serve two purposes and, and I always say this and it, it, it goes across the board you have charity shops who are there for people who need affordable clothing and affordable items and then you have charity shops that are there to raise money for people who need those things. And, and that's the difference. The charity shop isn't always about, you know, finding a cheap item. It's about finding a good item or a unique item. And I think if if, if anybody out there who, who hasn't been in a charity shop recently pops in, you'll see a difference. You, you know, you'll be amazed uh, at what you find. So like the sector is good, but there are still people out there who struggle. And I think, again, to go back to your, you know, your conscious shopper, your conscious consumer, I think one of the big trends that we've noticed is while, you know, online shopping has become really popular, I think, especially with millennials and, and Gen, Gen Z, what, what also is popular is, is the social shopping, which is, yes, you'll do your research online. And yes, you'll look into what, you know, what's out there in the market. But then when you go shopping, you go shopping with your friends and it becomes a social activity. You know, you, 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 you like, like that story I told you about the, the five people who didn't know each other. But it became a social activity because they all connected afterwards. They all connected through it. There was another story about two girls who wanted the same dress. But it turns out it was a two-piece dress, and one of the money we wanted the top, and the other one wanted the bottom. It's no way. Yeah. So there's there's always there's always that. I, I, that's where I feel 
again, it's a learning that commercial retail can take. And I'm not saying, look, you can walk into to, to any high street retailer and, and have that story. It's unique to the charity sector, but there are learnings there. I mean, to, you know, I think shopping, one of the risks with COVID was that we would all slip away into this online shopping. Shopping is a tactile pro- process. Retail is, is tactile. It always has been to me, no matter what you're selling, it's nice to go and see it and 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 feel it and and charity is is definitely that you know and i also think by the way you're describing it there there's something incredibly emotional about whether it's that you know thankfully that you're helping the charity themselves by buying a few pieces or whether it's that actual that quite that connection as you said that those five people have over those dungarees that's an emotional connection that's something do you know what a lot of retailers pay a lot of money to try and create in store whereas you have it. The charity retail sector has it in bucket loads. It really does. Every everything that's bought in a charity shop has a story, and, and that's what I find fascinating. It's 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 the it is the story behind the item. So like you you walk in buy a new piece of clothing. There's no story. Yes, the designer designed it, and yes, that might be that might be the story. But there is there is a history to to a piece that you buy in a charity shop. Be it from a book to a piece of clothing to a vase to whatever it is. There, there's a story to that, and I think. People now more than ever love to know that story, love to explore the history of something. Um, and like I said, and that's where vintage has become really popular as well, as you said earlier, is because it has a history, it has a story. Now, look, vintage is anything after 2003 or before 2003 now, which is the scary talk. But um, <laughs> yes. it's, you know, uh, it, it is definitely, there's definitely a, a resurgence in that. And, and I think charity shops, again, have always been place for vintage before vintage shops were cool before it was a a thing to find it was you know it was definitely uh you could always find vintage in a charity shop how incredible and then on the flip side of that any challenges kind of what are the issues maybe that you're facing right now within the sector so i suppose we are predominantly fashion retailers i mean that's that's the the core of what charity is and and like look the challenges for any fashion retailer are fast fashion and it's a little bit different because Fast fashion has has been seen a decline as such, but I think you know consumer habits need to change, but manufacturing habits need to change as well. Mm. And what we find now is where previously we would be inundated with older clothes that you know people don't wear, we are inundated with fast fashion, and that is a challenge because the the person that shops with us is a is a conscious shopper or is trying to find a good quality item for lesser than it would be on the high street but if you have a lot of fast fashion that becomes a challenge because people are 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 seeing a lot of fast fashion in their shop so it's finding that mix and finding that compromise because you don't want that fast fashion going to landfill either so it's it's about it's about recognizing you know and changing behaviors and i think that's the biggest challenge for all retail, not just charity, is is that change of behavior, and it starts at the very, very, very top, which is manufacturing and, and reducing what we are. Like, there's a scary statistic I heard about a year and a half ago, or maybe two years ago, that on the planet now there is enough clothes to do us for three generations right now. So the manufacturing continues and continues and it's great to see look there are some retailers out there who are really active in in finding ways to turn you know six jumpers into one jumper or into a cardigan or whatever through recycling and breaking down the fabrics but the biggest challenge is finding ways to break down those fabrics and is to stop people using you know raw materials again and stop using fresh materials again because that's what happens and and, and look one of the other challenges and it's, it's fantastic to see is is people reselling themselves i mean that's 
you know, you see the increase in popularity of Depop and, mm. you know, you have eBay and then you have, you know, we, we have our own platforms within the charity sector with Haru and Triftify and, you know, and people using Shopify. And resale is great. And it's great to see so many, you know, people and, and COVID really highlighted that, you know, I'm at home, I can't do anything, but I can sell the stuff I have. And it's brilliant. And I love to see it. But what I would say to anyone out there who does do that is, if it doesn't sell, if you can't sell it, think of the charity shop because yes, you've tried to sell it and that's brilliant, but if you can't donate it, you know, and, and they're the challenges we face and, and, and I, it, look, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's no different in some ways, you know. And it's so important, but again, at least you're leading with that message, which like, to be honest, a lot of commercial retailers, it's a bit ahead in the sand for some of them at the moment. I think they're not willing to even face that, that issue of so much stock, or as you said, materials, going to landfill so yeah no it's it's wonderful to see he's leading from the front there so final question then what's coming up for you in charity retail ireland over the next few months so i i always say for for charity retail ireland what we've decided for for 2023 is this is going to be the year of the partnership or, or, or collaboration and and look we're always looking to partner with people um who are looking to do sustainability and their green credentials the right way so that's other retailers and it's not Brilliant. just retailers, it's, it's other organizations, other corporations. There's so much we can offer. And, and I think we, you know, we get, we, people don't know about us, but we're here uh, and you can reach out to us and, and we're willing to partner and we're willing to talk to anybody about how we can effectively make a change in their business and in our own business. And so like we, we decided this year that we were going to launch Charity Retail Week, which is the first time we've ever done it. We've always had a day in the year where we recognize the shops through awards and we've done um, an event where we get people to come along and do some workshops. So this year we've expanded it out and it'll be the first time. So we, we've, we've, we, we're, we're tippy toes. We're a voluntary organization. So we have to take our time and we're, we're looking for sponsors as well. So if anybody wants to jump in and sponsor us, can sponsor any part of the week. Um, we'd love to hear, hear from people and I'll, I'll, I'll give you some details at the end. Um, but the idea behind Charity Week was to highlight environmental, social and economic impact that charity retail has uh, in local communities and nationwide and beyond. Uh, and, and I suppose showcase reuse uh, as a fashion choice and to create awareness of charity shops as a fashion, fashion destination uh, to move away from, from fast fashion. So like I said, we have a number of events and they are, I suppose, charity uh, retail focused so our main event is on the 26th of april which will be called the gathering and that's in the rediscovery center in dublin uh, and that's a full day event where we will run some workshops we will do our award ceremony and we do a world cafe as well which is to discuss uh, the challenges uh, that charity faces and how we can help that and it, it, it's a great event to do that and and this year we've also done two satellite events which will happen in Cork uh, on the 24th and happen in Galway on the 25th um, and that's uh, they are networking events I suppose to bring in all the charities in those locations who might not be able to come to Dublin because look there are restrictions when it comes to charity we we, yeah. we, we know we're we're funded by the public and we have to be very aware of that so we try and localize some of the events as well and there will be smaller events going on out you know individual charities as well and then the idea we had was to try and focus each day within the week on on something in the charity so we have monday which will be the 24th will be donation day which is to highlight um, and we'll do this through social media um to highlight what what charity shops look for what's a good donation what's a bad donation because there's a common misconception out there too that charity shops won't take everything yeah give them a, give them a call talk to them i mean 
you don't know what what's what's not what you not might not find attractive or sellable might not be the case you know let, let us decide it i always say that bring it into us uh and then the tuesday will be a volunteer day which will again we'll put, put out some information there about volunteering wednesday as that's our gathering will be collaboration collaboration day and, and again as i said that's what this year is all about it's just about joining up with other organizations we're speaking to retail excellence we've been speaking to uh retail integration we've uh charity or partners within the recycling textile recycling industry cookstown recycling and all techs who are you know great supporters of what we do and um, so you know that's very important to us and then uh, one of the big things that we launched during charity week or will be launching this charity week is our impact uh, survey or our charity impact survey which really highlights the impact the charity has you know um socially uh financially um and uh, environmentally on 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 the whole island of ireland um we will be focused on republic mainly this year um but there is the social impact which will be covered on friday we will look at the environmental impact which we look on the saturday and the circular economy day which obviously ends out what we do so look there's a lot going on there um and we have launched a corporate partnership um program which has different tiers we have a directory we have people who are long-term sponsors we have people like um rfc which are cur courier and financials or sorry courier and car park services and um security services and uh, we have a lot of other partners who are looking to come on board with us as well um so we hope that the charity week will start the conversation around the charity retail sector uh, and the impact that it has and how it can help, I suppose, all retail, you know, um, so, yeah, exciting. It sounds incredible. And it's only obviously a couple of days ahead of us now. So hmm. I would urge anyone listening, anyone watching, because we know there are key people that listen to the Retail Secret Podcast, get in touch with Mark. Uh, don't put it off. Connect with him on LinkedIn. Uh, connect certainly with the website and I'll put all that in the show notes but don't wait is what I'd say you've heard an incredible amount about what the organization does how important the sector is how it can actually support bigger retail so I would absolutely urge people listening now to get in touch and also keep an eye on the social media channels next week so Mark give us the website so the website is very easy because we've rebranded. It's uh, www.charityretail.ie, simple as. Uh, and on there, we do have information about our corporate our partnership program. And then we have all our, we have our members area as well. Um, as I said, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's uh, probably where, where is the easiest thing to find me. Just search Mark Sweeney and you'll come across me. Uh, or it said you can email me. You'll find my email addresses on the website. Uh, or Linda Ward as well, who's our secretary. You can reach out to her um, through LinkedIn. Um, and like I said, we're more happy to talk to anybody about what a partnership would look like because there's different types of partnerships. We're not we're not just isolated to one. We will we will talk to you and see what we can do. Uh, and we'd love to hear from people. Absolutely. Fantastic. And you will. And I'll make sure of it. We will. And we'll also tag you across all the social media and I'll make sure that we tag you and everything. So again, look out for Charity Retail Ireland across all social media and then stay in contact on Charity Retail Week and see what's going on. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please, please like and share it. Remember, you can also listen back to past Retail Tea Break podcast episodes on your favourite podcast platform or on YouTube. And as Mark said, connect with him via LinkedIn uh, and connect with myself as well if you haven't already. Follow Charity Retail Island and The Retail Advisor across all social media channels. 
and I'll pop that website back up for you for Charity Retail Island in the show notes. Um, go and have a good look. It's a fantastic website, as Mark said. So, Mark, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Melissa. It's been great to be part of the retail tea break. So I'm going to get, go grab a cup of tea now myself. Um, but thank you very much. It's been great to have an opportunity to speak uh, to your listeners and uh, looking forward to hearing the episode.